Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. This is The Guardian. I had to go. Welcome to the Final Word Ashes Daily and a very happy new year to you wherever you are. I'm Emma John and I'm in the UK where the sun's still not deigning to rise until after 8am. While over in Sydney, my colleagues Adam Collins and Jeff Lemon have spent the day dodging the kind of rain showers that England would have welcomed a little earlier in this series. But we are where we are. New year, new ashes goals. For England, the fantasy of regaining the urn has lifted like a sweaty fever dream and in its place comes a more modest but no less vital mission. Can Joe Root's savagely humiliated team find even one worthy performance on this tour? Can they take a test off Pat Cummins' Aussies or even just draw one? Can they win back the tiniest smidge of their dignity? Well, today at the Sydney Cricket Ground, they had a good go. It probably helped that they lost a toss, so it was their bowlers who got the first chance to show some spirit. Anderson and Broad effectively opened the bowling twice as recurring rain turned this into one of those hokey-cokey four-session days. And even though we only got 47 overs, it still felt like plenty of cricket. England's 1-2 combo to Australia's openers looked good, Anderson swinging the ball away from the left-handers, Broad spearing it in. But this was a nice pitch for batting, and David Warner and Marcus Harris had put on 50 for the first wicket before Broad made a post-lunch breakthrough, Warner driving and edging to second slip. Broad created chances off Marnus Labuschagne too. In three consecutive deliveries, he had him towing an edge to third man, floating the next past leg slip, then thudding one into his pads off an inside edge but maybe there was a ghostly 12th man in this game. Perhaps the Admiral Horatio Lord Nelson himself was looking down on the British efforts with pride, because the score was 111 when things really started to go England's way, Anderson finding Harris's edge before Mark Wood returned to the attack and removed Labuschagne with only his second delivery. Australia finished the day 126 for three, and with more rain forecast throughout this test, there's considerable hope that England might, just might, be in with a chance of redemption. But let's hear Adam and Jeff's thoughts on that subject from Sydney. Day one of Sydney, rain marred, but impactful in its own way. James Anderson playing his 169th test match only. Sachin Tendulkar with 200 stands above him now. His fifth at the SCG. He took seven wickets here uh, back in 2011. But it was a moment of 
I felt anyway, a moment of Anderson experience that intervened on a day that was trending a certain way. Australia were 111 for one at the point when he said, you know what, I might want to change this ball, umpire. Can we have another look, sir? Mm. And umpire Rod Tucker agreed with him. Often it can take a while to build momentum for such a thing. It did. They tried about 16 times before that and he couldn't get it. No, said the umpires. No, said the umpires. And then eventually they said yes. Yeah, and look, I mean... at that particular juncture, I thought they'd have no luck, but it had gone to the boundary four times since the, the tea break, which I think coincided with the fourth rain delay, something like that. It was a long interval. And Anderson gets the ball going, the new ball after 29 yeah. and a half yeah. overs, gets that going. And over later, he gets Marcus Harris or a couple of overs later. And over after that, it's Mark Wood picking up Labuschagne. And Labuschagne has been, he's, I, I saw a stat today saying that he's not made less than 47 in the first innings of a test match since when he first came back in 2019 at mm. Lords. I mean, it's an incredible record. And Wood's nicked him off twice in a week and a half. So that gives you a sense to Wood's broader worth in his England team. Yeah. And England take the honours at 126 for three at the close of play. Um, the three wickets are more important than the runs and they can come back tomorrow with a bit of wind in the sails. A little bit of wind in the sails. I mean, this could still get away from them pretty sure. quickly. I, I think let's let's not get people too overexcited who are supporting England at this stage because, yeah, Australia three down, sure. Steve Smith is there. You may have heard of him. Pretty good at cricket. Likes batting. Some stories about that online. Did you know he used to be a leg spinner? Started out as a leg spinner. Should look that up. Um, and Usman Khawaja is, is there, uh, batting at five. Weird spot for him, but looked, uh, looked, looked pretty composed in, in the little bit that yep. he had to do to make sure that he got through to the last rain delay, the last of about five rain delays that, that saw us through to stumps. So he'll come back tomorrow, and they could still build their way to a big lead. And also, with England's batting, they don't necessarily need to build their way to a big lead. They could make 250, and that might be enough. So... England still have a long way to go, but I appreciate the, the, the cause for optimism from an English uh, side in that they bowled well at points where they could have slipped out of the game. That 51 for the first partnership, 60 for the yep. second, and either of those could have gone big, and eventually they found a way to peg them back. Yeah, that, that's, exactly, that's exactly right. I mean, if either of those partnerships kick on, we're having a very different conversation. Uh, regarding Usman Khawaja, I spoke to him before play today. He, I mean, it's... <laughs> It sounds like a cliche when he says it and he acknowledges it, but he's like, I'm, I'm satisfied with where I am on my cricketing journey. Like, it feels to me like he's a guy who knows this might be his last test match. It could be. Mm. Travis Head's back in the squad for Hobart next week. He's going to be permitted to rejoin the team on Saturday uh, following his COVID-19 infection. But it's mm. entirely possible that they go, thanks for your service this week, Usman. Uh, Travis is back next week into his spot. And Usman called it Travis's spot when talking to mm. him today. And that might be it. On the other hand, he makes runs here. He'll probably be the spare batter that goes to Pakistan, in of itself an amazing story given mm. it's his country of birth, then to Sri Lanka, then to India and who knows where we are at the start of the next summer. I mean he's talked about um, Chris Rogers' career being a bit of an inspiration to him where after age 35 it's when he got a, a great opportunity to play 24 of his 25 test matches. Well uh, that could still yet be the case for Kawaja, he's playing the sort of cricket at the moment that, that feels uh, unburdened mm. to an extent. He's liberated from his own head, maybe, from the pressure that was on his shoulders when he was a senior player, not perhaps quite delivering in the way that he would have liked. So, mm. yeah, I'm going to be fascinated to watch him play. And the reception he received today from the Sydney crowd, 25,000 people here. Um, the same gates he walked out 11 years ago on Test Taboo against England. Very different circumstances then with Australia um, having already lost the series. But uh, coming out today, a very different man. Uh, but uh, and he's there, not out overnight, and who knows what's possible tomorrow. That was going to be my Hall of Fame, uh, but I might 
might as well bring it in now. Yeah. Just that that rousing reception, the 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 circularity, the debut here. I tell you what, if he makes thirty seven tomorrow and gets <laughs> eight pages written about him in the newspaper, time will have, will have come full circle. But I want to talk to you, Adam, about uh, David Warner and yep. Stuart Broad, um, and and I just want to you know some, we like doing a little bit of myth busting here on the show. The response to it was predictable, right? Warner gets out to Broad, edges him into the cordon on 30. And everybody, not everybody, but a lot of people go, see, I told you, Broad should have been in this team all along because he would have got David Warner out every innings because of the psychological hold he has over him. Blah, blah, blah. 2019 Ashes, uh, averaging nine, whatever. Stuart Broad bowled to David Warner through the entire 17-18 Ashes and didn't get him out once. David Warner averaged 66 or 64 in that series. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, better well at Melbourne in, in, um, in Stuart uh, Broad got him out maybe three times in 13, 14 when Warner made a couple of hundreds and all the rest of it. Stuart Broad bowling second to... second innings tons. Stuart running Bro- up the scoreboard before uh, they declared. Uh, you know, Brisbane, Brisbane was, a, was a decent one. Well ahead. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. Stuart Broad bowling to David Warner in Australia is different to Stuart Broad bowling to David Warner in England. And I think yep. there has been a conflation of the two that says that everything would have been different if Broad had been bowling to Warner. I would also note that Broad got Warner out with a good delivery, but not an England delivery. Not one of those horrible, unplayables from around the wicket where it's coming in, it's so, angling in, and is it going to seam away and nick him behind? Or is it going to seem in and pin him LBW? He can't do anything about either. He doesn't know what to do. Warner chased a wide one today hands, yeah. because he wanted to drive one through the covers and the length wasn't there and he edged yep. it into the cordon. That wasn't a psychological victory of Stuart Broad. That was David Warner playing a bad shot. So I just want to get in ahead of the, the, the idea that Everything would have been different if this selection had been made because it wouldn't have because England still can't bat. Yeah, I just reiterate that Broad should have played at Brisbane before the before the England team were mentally bashed up there on day one. If Broad plays day one at Brisbane on a not a green top but a pitch that gave plenty of assistance to Australia's fast bowlers, and they 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 play the best card they've got, then mm-hmm. then maybe he would have had the chance to have inflicted some kind of psychological damage on Warner that, that existed from 2019. The difference was that he didn't play at Brisbane. Warner batted uh, manfully, to say the least, at Brisbane, getting through some really tough periods, gets to 90-something, 94-95, and then Broad plays the next week on a flatty at Adelaide, bowls really, really well, best of the bowlers on day one, uh, and Warner gets 95, but it wasn't on account of... Um, Broad not creating opportunities against Warner. I think he was up with the DRS twice in the first half an hour. So, I mean, I'm not sure whether it's 
it's, it's as much of, of people mis misinterpreting today as lamenting the fact that that contest didn't continue from the Oval in 2019. It should have continued at Brisbane uh, on the first day there. And that was one of the myriad strategic and tactical mistakes that England have made through the series. I actually thought that for all the criticism of Anderson and Broad at the very, very start of today, Anderson was off with his first over. Um, he bowled the better of the two to start with, but they were doing something quite different from each other. And I quite like looking at the pitch map there. Anderson was bowling full and trying to get them driving. Broad was back of a length and trying to get them playing aggressively and trying to get them scoring runs. I think Crickfierce had a, had a bit of analysis on that. I mean, look, Broad and Anderson, um, no matter what they do at this stage of their career, they're going to prompt strong opinions. They're, they're mm. always, they've always bowled the best spell ever or the worst spell ever. It's very rare that um, Anderson and Broad bowl these days and it, it passes without comment. Yeah, people Such say, you know what, it's fine. I'm glad they were there. I feel yeah, indifferent. They, they bowled well today, but they didn't bowl a house down. Or, yep. you know, that always gets read as, yeah. oh, they they're were too dreadful. old. They've got to go. They're, they're, exactly. They're, they're too, too old. They've got to go or Jimmy should play till he's 50. I mean, Jimmy said on the Tailenders podcast the other day that at age 39, he feels as though he's playing his best cricket. And, I mean, it's kind of hard to dispute that. He's a very different bowler. I mean, you saw the haircut today. I was going to say this on my BT thing and, and forgot. He's got mm -hmm. the um, the Tommy Shelby or, the, the, uh, or the, uh, the Don Mattingly haircut. Shaved the sides. Kind of my um, yeah. Hall of Fame as I well. I said get rid of those sideburns. Get rid of those sideburns, Mattingly, or, or you're sacked. And he was sacked. But, I mean, he's had as many uh, hair reinventions as he has uh, reinventions as a bowler. Uh, you he know, was bowling uh, 138 today. Yeah, but, I mean, you look at his pace. When he first started, he was a, he was a tearaway, mm. and he's refined his game refined his game refined his game you could say more haircuts and you know reinventions that Kylie Minogue you know it, it's getting to that stage now mm. um, but uh, yeah that just sort of felt reflective of the way he's played five test matches at this ground took a, took seven wickets in in 2011 he was a match winner four in the first three in the second then uh, did everything right here four years ago other than be able to dismiss Usman Khawaja he bowled sort of like 36 overs conceding about 38 runs or something ridiculous he he kept Australia under pressure the whole time until the heat took over and they elected not to bowl him into his imminent death uh, so thought he bowled well but again I think a big part of it comes down to that experience of trying to get the ball changed mm -hmm. and that was the moment mm -hmm. that I think we'll look back on as the turning point in the day's cricket. So, wicket for Broad, wicket for Anderson, back of a length, moving away a little bit. Marcus Harris poked at it, didn't need to, but he always does. Although he played, I thought he played better than he did in Melbourne today, Marcus Harris. It's the best I've seen him in terms of fluency and, and, and control. Uh, even though he only made 38, he was in those two big partnerships, which I thought was important. Uh, and then a wicket for Mark Wood, and this was interesting because Jack Leach was bowling a couple of these pointless Jack Leach overs that Root has him bowl now, did in Melbourne and did here, where he bowls left yeah, arm wicket, around the yeah. wicket to a left-hander down the line of leg stump with fielders on the fence. Like, what are you doing? Like, I is think it what they're trying to do, or my sense of what they're trying to do, is bowl him into the test match by yeah. giving him the chance to not get clobbered in the first couple of overs. So bowling a, a defensive line but with a defensive field. I mean, I know it's, it's, not, it's, training it's not the wheels. classical way of doing like, it. Well, you, yeah, can't, you can't put training no. wheels on a test bowler. No, I agree. I think, yeah. it, I think it's a function of where they're at. You're good enough or you're not good enough well, I think to it's play. a function of where they're at. He's clearly good enough to play. I think it's a function where Root's at. Because I think Leach is a better bowler than that. Yeah, he got whacked and that can happen to any bowler. But, but it gets him but, into the gets him into the game in a way that if he goes for... What did he go for in his first three overs at Brisbane? 36? Something like that. I 11, mean, it just gives him the chance 96. to finish tonight with none for three off two. And he comes yeah. back tomorrow not being none for 13 off one or something. It, it's just a... It's just a sort of a management it's, process. It's a, it's a root Not thing. It, where Root after Brisbane said, I set two aggressive fields and I shouldn't have done that. And now he's overcompensating to this massive degree um, rather than, than backing his bowler to some extent. But Leach bowls those couple of overs uh, and then the wicket falls of, of, uh, 
uh, of Harris. Yep. And Smith comes in. And this was Root's good captaincy move. He goes, get Mark Wood onto yep. bowl at Smith. And it worked. Because Wood got him nicking in Brisbane. It worked the other way. He got Labuschagne instead. Yeah. But it didn't matter. It was either of them. You take either of them at this point. And it was pace again. And it was, remember um, Barat Sundarason's story the other day about Labuschagne bragging in the nets that he, no one had found his outside edge in five months or whatever yeah. it was. And he, and he bet somebody's car that they couldn't get his outside edge with the dog thrower. Well, Mark Woods nicked him off twice in consecutive tests. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a big turning point. I mean, it's an early turning point, but presumably a big one because of what I mentioned before about the first innings. And you just look at his record here. He averages 95 at the SCG. Once he's in, he's in for good. I watched him bat for a quarter of an hour yesterday in the nets and he didn't put a foot out of place. He defended and left splendidly. I know it's the dog thrower and all the rest of it, but it gives you a sense of his mindset. So extra pace from Wood. We've been saying it all, all series, really. With Wood, that's that's England's only real point of difference. Mm-hmm. Anderson and Broad as experienced as they are at doing their thing, Wood does offer you know something that's going to mm-hmm. uh, make Labuschagne have to make different kinds of decisions. So uh, that was huge today. Uh, you know, Smith averages 75 here. I mean, every grand in Australia, Smith averages a million at because he's had such profound success mm-hmm. at home. But him and Kawaja tomorrow, it'll present a different challenge, presumably rain again. Uh, but, um, but look, I, I think at least England haven't rocked up here and been smashed up on day one, which... Yeah, at least they're not at Melbourne, six for 72 from, yeah, from or, 30 overs or, amongst or, the rain. Or, or 172 for one, which yeah. for about five minutes thought that might be the trajectory this was going. So they come back tomorrow, they're in the scrap, they've done a lot of things right. Uh, and they caught everything and they looked a team that was fairly galvanised today and look obviously it comes down to whether they can get rid of Smith early yeah and this is where Smith made his last test 100 uh, a year ago against India his his one century for that series so Smith and Kawaja coming out tomorrow tasty uh, tasty little contest and Cameron Green still hasn't made a run in the series really so you know Big for him. Yeah, speaking of Barat, he's been declaring that Green's going to make his first test century this week, so our, our friend will see. We'll have him on the oh. show soon to talk all about that, I am sure. So the final word, Hall of Fame, the most final word moment of the day. To some respect, I, I think, well, to some extent, I think we've kind of ran through these already. I've got listed here, Jimmy's haircut, Don Mattingly, question mark. Tommy Shelby, question mark. Uh, rain, washout, that didn't happen, so we can ignore those stats that I thought might be relevant. A 4.20 restart, we always like to light it up on the final word when it's 4.20 at a cricket game, and today that prompted plenty of activity on on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, the SCG history with those two blokes, Anderson and Broad, I've talked about that as yep. well, as we have Usman's entrance to the ground. So I've already done my clean sweep. You, you? spent. Okay, what have I, What else have I got? Well, I can... So I've been doing uh, a fair bit of work with Andy Zaltzman and his statistics. Yes. So maybe I can throw in Please. two good Andy Zaltzman stats that came out today. Uh, has said Andy Zaltzman, has there ever been an Australian innings in which the top three all made more than 30 and less than 45? Yes. One, and it was in 1887. Oh, right. Where was it? Uh, it was either here or in England, I presume. I don't, <laughs> I don't remember. Um, but it has happened once before, but not for 100 and, what, And, 30 and, I'm, and I'm tipping, years? given the time, George Lyman would have got them all out for, yeah, you know, yeah. on the way to an eight-wicket bag yeah, or Billy, something Billy like that. Billy Bates or Billy Bragg or whoever. Or they, Bobby Peel yeah, might yeah, have been Bobby Brown, well. Millie Bobby Brown. <laughs> <laughs> you know, who knows at this stage. The other one is there was a point today because uh, on, on Test Match Special because Jonathan Agnew was sick. Henry Moran had to 
I do did see this. Some pinch hitting, making his test debut, presumably his his, his men's test debut. Yeah. yeah, and and so he was on with Alex Hartley, and Zoltzman noted that this was the first time that TMS had had two commentators who were younger than both of the bowlers operating <laughs> at the time <laughs> with Broad and Anderson with the ball. So you know, uh, the M stands for millennial in TMS. It's it's a generation change. Fantastic. Okay, I think that's it for us today. This has been the Final Word Daily. Uh, if you like what we do, you can follow us in all the usual places, including Patreon.com forward slash the final word. We'll be back tomorrow to do it all again. Let's see whether England can have two good days in a row. Until then, good night from Sydney. Bye. Bye. I had to go about it, write it out and find it myself. And there's some stories I can tell you. I had to fail. That's it for today. Thanks from Adam, Jeff and me for listening. We will see you back here tomorrow. If you like this episode, don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcast or leave us a rating or review that'll help people to find us. This episode was produced by Sophia Tarek. The Final Word is produced by Bad Producer Productions and edited by James Hurley. And the executive producer is Miles Martinoni.